I'm going to need two volunteers to read text tonight. Uh, do I have two volunteers? I've got one here. I've got one here with mine. Okay, uh, Exodus chapter 3, 1 through 11. Just hold your place there. And then also Acts chapter 7, verses 30 through 35. We have Old and New Testament um, readings uh, concerning Moses and the, the burning bush here. So we'll find that uh, interesting. Now, the follets, the mature follets. <laughs> Don't want to say senior follets. <laughs> I get in trouble for those things. <laughs> but... Yes. Uh, this is just for you. I normally don't write all this out, but I thought, hey, it's only, we're in the third chapter. I'll write out the first and second ones, kind of go over that real quick, get you caught up so we're in lesson number three. So we're going through a book well-written called Moses, uh, Discover God's Faithfulness on Life's Journey. And so we started out with lesson one, Moses in the Palace. Uh, and it was about learning how to honor God. We see how he was preserved by God. His parents honored God. And his parents were honored by God. He was prepared for royalty. He was brought up in by Pharaoh's daughter. He was brought up by the Egyptians. So he was being prepared. And he was pulled to his people. He was willing to leave the palace. And he was willing to defend his people. And then he's exiled. Moses in the desert. He's developing a genuine walk with God. Moses was alone. He was exiled from Egypt. He was employed in the wilderness. Moses was humbled. He was no longer a prince. He was now a shepherd. And Moses was contemplative. He took time to remember and repent. He took time to reflect and reform. Which brings us up to lesson number three, Moses in the burning bush, listening to the voice of God. So if we would, let's Let's first have a word of prayer, and then I'll have Andy read, and then Brother Michael read his portion after that. Father, we do thank you for all these Old Testament uh, stories, Lord, and people, and things we can learn from, and, and you said that they're, they're there for our learning. And so uh, may we learn through Moses' life what a man he was, and um, but what a really... He showed what a God he has, and may we be like that as well. He was human, and he went through things, and so are we, and so may, again, we learn the lessons we can through his life, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Brother Andy, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Acts chapter 7, 30 through 35. <clears throat> And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire and bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and have come down to deliver them. And now, come, I will send thee into Egypt. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. Uh. So here we have Moses and the story of the burning bush. And we see here where God has a definite purpose and a detailed plan for each of our lives, not just Moses. We may feel incapable of doing what God wants us to do. Indeed, in our own strength and our own wisdom, we cannot fulfill God's will. But God will not send us where he cannot sustain us, and he will fully equip us for his service. <clears throat> Our part is to surrender and obey. Let's start with the introduction. Listening to the voice of God. God can speak to us anywhere. We do not need to be in church or in a special or religious environment. We do not need perfect circumstances or quiet surroundings to hear his voice. We simply need to be attentive to him no matter where we are. You see, sometimes God's voice will be dramatic and forceful. At other times, he will speak with a still, small voice. Yet no matter what method God uses when speaking to us, his voice will have no effect if we are not listening and ultimately responding. Today's lesson examines the reaction of Moses when God spoke to him through a burning bush. May we learn from this pivotal juncture in Moses' life and apply the principles to our daily walk with God. So our first point, and, and let me say this is the easiest words. Uh, I should, if, if I hang you on any words, that means you're sleeping. Okay. Last week was, you know, like contemplative and double words and things it was difficult so you got a really easy one today so Moses gave his 
attention. <laughs> All right. Moses gave his attention. Illustration. A young and successful executive was going a bit too fast on a neighborhood street in his new jag, Jaguar, <laughs> however you say it. Right. He was watching for kids darting out from between parked cars but didn't see any children around. All of a sudden, a brick smashed into the side of his car. He slammed on the brakes and noticed a small boy on the sidewalk. He jumped out of the car, you can imagine, and started shouting, Just what are you doing? That's a new car, and that brick you threw is going to cost a lot of money. The young boy was apologetic. I'm sorry, I didn't know what else to do, he pleaded. I threw the brick because no one else would stop. My brother rolled off the curb and fell out of his wheelchair, and I can't lift him up. The boy then asked the stunned executive, would you please help me get him back into the wheelchair? He's hurt, and he's too heavy for me. Moved beyond words, the driver hurriedly lifted the handicapped boy back into the wheelchair. Thank you, and may God bless you, the grateful child told the stranger. Too shook up for words, the man simply watched the boy push his wheelchair-bound brother down the sidewalk toward their home. It was a long, slow walk back to the Jaguar. The damage was very noticeable, but the driver never bothered to repair the dented side door. He kept the dent there to remind him to slow down in life so that someone wouldn't have to throw a brick at him to get his attention. As is so often the case, God spoke to his servant Moses as he was doing his duty. Genesis 24:27 quotes the faithful servant of Abraham, I being in the way, the Lord led me as we faithfully follow God's leading in a, as we faithfully follow God's leading in assignments, he clearly speaks and he continues to direct. It's wonderful to see Christians who are steadfast and consistent. Doing what they ought to do, when they ought to do it, in God's appointed place. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Luke 9.51 And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. You know, it's important to realize that when we dedicate ourselves to God or to a God-given task, it's often to the exclusion of other personal pursuits. Peter tried to dissuade Christ from going to Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross in Matthew 16, 21-23. Like the Lord, however, we too need to turn our back on others when necessary to follow God's will. Illustration, William Borden chose to honor the Lord even when other people did not understand. He grew up in a wealthy family and was the heir to the Borden Dairy Estate. For his high school graduation gift, his parents were able to give him a trip around Asia and Europe. Rather than enjoy the whole trip for himself, William Borden left felt burdened for all the people he saw around the world, knowing that so many of them were hurting and seeking to know God. The Lord gave him a passion to serve these people overseas. When he expressed his desire 
to be a missionary to others, he did not get positive feedback. One friend even stated that William Borden was throwing himself away as a missionary. William's response was this, no reserves. He was more concerned with serving the Lord than pleasing others. God can use many different methods to capture our attention. With Moses, God used a burning bush. With Balaam, God used a talking donkey. With Samuel, God called in the stillness of the night. Isaiah, God used a vision in the temple. Jonah, God used a great storm and a great fish. The hungry multitudes, God used five loaves and two fishes. The disciples, God used a mighty tempest and Christ walking on the sea. Mary, Martha, and the, and the Jews, God used the miracle of resurrection. Saul, God used a light from heaven and the voice of the risen Christ. Seek to be sensitive to whatever method God may choose to speak to you. So we have under that, the bush was burning. Got it all right. Awesome. The bush was burning. Both the Old and New Testament recorded that the angel of the Lord appeared in the burning bush. It is interesting to note that the angel of the Lord did not speak to Moses until first he drew near. Before God can do a great work in our lives, we must draw near to him. The principle is found in James 4, 8, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. And again in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, where Jesus promises that if we will come to him, he will give us rest. This is a conditional promise, an illustration of cause and effect. What a tremendous principle. You know, God wants us to make that first step, didn't he? The burning bush experience was about to change and redirect Moses' life. And he drew near to discover how. The bush was not consumed. All right. The bush was not consumed. A burning bush in the desert would be a very unusual sight, but it is likely that Moses had seen bushes on fire at other times, perhaps from lightning or possibly from a campsite. Remember, he's there 40 years. Perhaps what made this particular bush amazing was that it was burning, but it was not consumed. Although it was burning strongly, it was not burning up. Only God could cause a bush to burn like this. Therefore, Moses realized he was in the presence of God. We know that God created the physical world and has full control of it. And we see another awesome demonstration of that in this story of the burning bush. God desires to demonstrate His glory in our lives. Unlike Moses, however, we have an open invitation to come into His presence. We do not have to wait for a burning bush. Because of Jesus, we can humbly yet boldly come into the presence of God at any time. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings 
of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So Moses gave his attention in point one. Point number two, Moses gave his... Anybody got a guess? This one's a little harder. Let me give you the first letter. Reverence. Moses humbly responded to God's presence. The burning bush and his command to remove his shoes. It only when God has our attention and our reverence that he will work in us and through us. He was on... (laughs) Jumped on that one, didn't you? He was on holy ground. Both passages in Exodus and Acts note that God told Moses he was standing on holy ground. Under the Old Covenant, there were special places that God marked as holy. For instance, the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. The Holy of Holies was a sacred room in the inner parts of the tabernacle. God's design for this place was very special. When the priest was entering this room, he was entering into the very presence of God No ordinary person was allowed to enter. If any person other than the high priest tried to enter, they would die. But even the high priest could only enter once a year on the Day of Atonement. I guess which is coming up soon is what you've learned. Today, we are under the New Covenant. For Christians, all ground is holy ground because the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us and is with us everywhere we go. We do not have to wait for some special sign or miracle to realize that God wants to speak to us on a daily basis. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. I love love this portion of scripture. He entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the, and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. When known as Saul of Tarsus, the apostle Paul had been one of the most religious men of his time. We see his own testimony of this in Philippians chapter 3 and Acts 22. Philippians 3, 4 through 6, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, is touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Touching the righteous, which is in the law blameless. Acts 22, verse 3 and 4. I am verily a man, which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, 
yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. All of this was true. He had known much about God. He was zealous for him. But when he met the risen Christ on the Damascus Road in Acts 9, 1 through 8, everything changed. A personal relationship replaced his religion. God waits to show himself to his people. And when we, like Moses and Paul and others, stop to recognize his holy work, we too are never the same. So he is on holy ground, and he had a what response? No guesses yet. Humble. He had a humble response. Once Moses realized that God was speaking personally to him, he responded by hiding his face. Moses realized that he was not worthy to look at God because God alone is holy. Moses' response was one of humility. Brother Mike brought out one time that, you know, uh, of what people think they're going to do when they see God. But I believe we're just going to fall on our face. Just like Moses... David understood that God was looking for brokenness and humility as he stated in Psalm 51:17, A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Certainly brokenness and contriteness are blessed by God. He promises to dwell with those who are humble. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 57:15, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. Now I'll just tell you, in my life, I've had those times many times where I'm just so frustrated and broken, I just cry out to the Lord. And recently I had a situation which was like that, but I know he's, he hears that. I trust in his word. Rather than get mad, get broken. Get broken. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know, if we truly want to be heard by God, blessed by God, and used by God, we must humble ourselves, pray, seek His face, and turn from our wicked ways. Proverbs 3.34 Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. James 4, 6 and 10, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Verse 10 Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 
Many Bible passages illustrate how people reacted when they realized they were in the very presence of God. Knowing they had sinned, Adam and Eve attempted to hide themselves from God. Noah, the one man who found grace in God's sight, took care to do exactly as God had told him to do. Joshua simply listened and passed on God's directions and promises to his people. Job, he abhorred himself and repented in dust and ashes. Isaiah cried, Woe is me, for I am undone. Ezekiel fell on his face. Saul of Tarsus, trembling and astonished, had two questions. Who art thou, Lord? And Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the apostle John fell as dead. And Revelation 1.17. Depending on our relationship with God, our responses at His presence will differ. In sin, we may hang our head at God's presence. In sorrow, we may embrace God's presence. What is your response to the presence of God in your life? So we have Moses gave his attention. Moses gave his reverence. And number three, Moses gave his <laughs> now spell it O B D I E N C. All right. Thank God for songs. <laughs> Hearing the words of God is quite different from obeying them. One of the most wonderful statements that could be said about a believer is that he is an obedient. Christian. Here's an illustration. How we admire the obedience of a dog shows to its master. Archibald Rutledge wrote that one day he met a man whose dog had just been killed in a forest fire. Heartbroken, the man explained to Rutledge how it happened. Because he worked outdoors, he often took his dog with him. That morning, he left the animal in a clearing and gave him a command to stay and watch his lunch bucket while he went into the forest. His faithful friend understood, for that's exactly what he did. Then a fire started in the woods, and soon the blaze spread to the spot where the dog had been left. But he didn't move. He stayed right where he was in perfect obedience to his master's word. With tearful eyes, the dog's owner said, I always had to be careful what I told him to do, because I knew he would do it. So Moses gave his obedience, but he also, he made, this is one of the tougher ones. Oh, got it. Excuses. As occurs with so many believers, when God gives us directions, Moses gave excuses. Isn't it amazing how easily we can offer reasons for why we cannot do what God tells us to do? When I think about why people aren't, don't come to midweek service or come to evening service, you would hear excuses. Moses had many excuses. He said, who am I? God's answer for this is found in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 
He also said, they will not believe me. In Genesis 4.1, God's answer for this is, we are not responsible for results, only obedience. In Genesis 24.8, I am of slow speech. In Genesis 4.10, God answers for this is, that wonders will not be wrought by enticing words of man's wisdom in 1 Corinthians 2.4. Paul acknowledged that he came not with excellency of speech, yet God used him to become the world's greatest missionary. Determined to avoid excuses and simply trust God to guide and provide. Moses was not the first or the last one to give excuses to God, evading his leading. When God questioned Adam about his sin, Adam blamed it on the woman and on God who had given her to him. The woman blamed it on the serpent. When God confronted Cain about his brother Abel, Cain said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? When God called Gideon to go against the Midianites, he did not take God seriously. When Jesus called to others to follow him, one said he had to first bury his father, who probably was not even dead yet. Another wanted time to say his goodbyes. Jesus shared a parable about those who made excuses, simply refusing to accept God's invitation in Luke 14, 16 through 24. So he made excuses, but he also, he made what? Changes. Yeah, on the last one. I was writing fast to you. He made changes. When God speaks to us, we should do something about it. After Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush, we see immediate changes that affected not just his life, but the life of his people. For one, there was a change in Moses' country. In Exodus 4, 18-20, Moses left all that he had become familiar with over the last 40 years. At God's direction, he took his family back to Egypt. You know, and I had this thought. He was 80 years old. How old was Miriam and Aaron? This action had to run counter to all reasonable thought, for it was in Egypt that he had committed a great crime. It was in Egypt that Pharaoh had sought to kill him. Yet Moses learned that when God spoke, his response was not to be based on what made sense, but rather solely on what God said. Number two, there was a change in Moses' calling. Often God asks us to leave the familiar and the known for something far better. In Luke 5.11, we see the disciples being willing to forsake all and follow him. Looking again to the Apostle Paul as an example in Philippians 3, 4 through 8 states that although he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he was willing to leave his past accomplishments so that he might accomplish something for Christ. Moses made changes in his life. He went from being a leader of sheep to being a leader of men. In retrospect, we see how much greater importance Moses' life took on as he made these changes in obedience to the Lord. In the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers died as they were hurled into the icy waters below. 
News of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the cause of the accident. It wasn't a technology problem like a radar malfunction or even thick fog. The cause was human stubbornness. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby. Both could have steered clear, but according to news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield first. By the time they came to their senses, it was too late. The question could be asked of you. If called upon by God to do so, are you willing to make changes in your life? What changes have you made for Christ in the past, and how has he blessed you? Those are some good questions. There's some good reflections in your life. This week, commit to obediently respond to God's leadership, trusting him to provide and direct you to make the changes he requests of you. The conclusion is this. God has a perfect plan for each one of us. Like Moses, we need to seek him, humble ourselves, and listen to him. If we follow these principles, we too will be able to look back and see the great and mighty things that God has done. In Jeremiah 33.3. All right. Now we have some time for some study questions. Mm -hmm. Some of them are simple. And some of them, maybe some of you would like to, to share your thoughts on some of them. What did God use to get Moses' attention as he watched the sheep in the wilderness? Bush. A burning bush. Yeah, this one's a what did God demand of Moses as he came into his presence at the burning bush? What did God command Moses to do? Go back to Egypt and lead God's people out. What excuses did Moses give to God? Yep. He was a nobody. He's going to follow me. People would not believe him when he told them God had sent him and he could not speak well. What are some incidents? Okay, here now we're going to get some into some personal things. What are some incidents God has used in your life when he wanted to get your attention? Does anybody want to share something there? Certain things like that, yeah, Brother Follett? You know, it's always easier to look at other people and say, oh, hopefully they're listening. God's trying to get a hold of me. <laughs> Instead of looking at ourselves and saying, well, you know, well, there's, you know, whatever. You know, things come in our lives and we kind of brush it off and uh, we don't look at it as God trying to get our attention. But 
for sure he's easy to listen and I was like boy you better listen God trying to get the hook of that mm -hmm. uh, I'd say you've been through through a few things here lately haven't you anybody else I'll tell you it's been a, been a long while but God got my attention of a certain sin in my life that he was going to correct and he did a public demonstration of it. It was very humiliating. It was very, very difficult. But I thank God so much uh, for that. Because I was headed down a continual path. And um, he, he did something. Um, anybody else? All right. How can we show reverence to God? Don't overthink this one. It's, a lot of times it's just simple things. Praying and doing simple things being in church. Church, why do we have church? We just church is a part of reverencing God. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's as human beings, we may struggle and come up, and you know, you may struggle out there just to stay awake. Uh, you know, the the preacher, the teacher may just be struggling to to get God's words out, and just it's difficult. But by just doing it, you're you're reverencing God. You're making Him more important than than yourself or how you feel. Yes, Abby. Sometimes do we just I think it's just circumstances instead of saying, hey, you know, God did something here. Something I was thinking about you too. I remember as we were going through life, you know, God just used certain people to get things done. He just used used men. I'm seeing that happen <laughs> through your situation with the house and how God just has been very gracious. And, uh, you know, you should just praise his, praise his name for it. You know, God's used so many people in my life. Uh, it's, it's, it's humbling to, to, to help me. Anything else, how we can reverence God? Okay. What excuses are you tempted to make that will hold you back from God's service? Boy, these are getting deep. It started out easy. <laughs> what excuses are you tempted to make that will hold you back from God's service? Nothing but planners. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're a planner. Yeah, I'm one of those. You know, I got my goals, and I, you know, if, if there's anything that frustrates me is when my goals and my ways are disappointed. Um, but it seems like. That's what God's life is all about. I, I, I watch my wife. She starts out with a, with a day of what she wants to do and accomplish. And how often does that work out? Not much. <laughs> Not much. All of a sudden the phone rings. This happens, that happens. And, you know, you're off and you're, you're running. Anybody else? Yes. Don't have time. 
oh, I chose to do this, and I could have put that aside because I have the time to do this. Mm -hmm. I think we also say that we can't do it. I don't have, I can't do this. Well, and that's what God wants us to acknowledge anyway, because He's the one who He's He's given us the assignment. He's going to give us the strength and the ability to do whatever He wants us to do. I think you find that out as I hear with homeschooling mothers is they may feel like that's what they should do and feel like that's how they should, but they feel like they can't do it. They're ill-equipped and they struggle with that. Is that what you hear a lot? But, you know, through God's grace, you know, we can, we can do that. Anybody else? an excuse like I've been finding myself like oh yeah, it's just a season I it's a busy season it's like no I have to go because we're building a house we live in a camper you know it's like it's a season once I get through this once we get through this then I'll get my feet under me and then I'll you know but I don't like this like I think I use that as an excuse like it's just a season but it's like this is the season more than any other that Sometimes um, we fabricate things. Let's call it for what it is. We we lie <laughs> because we don't want we don't want to do something, so we make up some story. Um, I've kind of been learning because I I remember being a lot like this. Um, you're playing basketball and you're in a game and you're tired. You know, and instead of just keeping going, you make up the excuse all of a sudden, you need to fix your shoes and the ref can stop for a little bit while you tie your shoe or whatever, you know. And you make these like, but you don't realize how often you do that. But what I've found, <laughs> when you do those kind of things and you make excuses and you lie about it, God will make them true. You'll live it out. But if you just keep going, you know, not have the excuses, you know, you, you keep you keep moving on. I found I don't have as many problems, but when I give excuses, I begin to have more problems. All right. And I'll leave you with one last question. And this is for you to answer answer personally. But what changes might you need to make in your life? in obedience to God. Let's end with that. Father, again, what lessons we have. Thank you for uh, the people sharing tonight, Lord, and, uh, and just being honest with ourselves and with your word. And uh, just to see Moses in the position he was in and what he was asked to do and the excuses he, he made, but he, he went anyway. Um, so there's some things we learn not to do and things to do um, as far as Moses is concerned. And so may we reflect upon this lesson tonight. May we adjust our lives, as Brother Dave mentioned, you know, it's, it's, we need to look to ourselves and uh, make the changes. It's much easier to see it in others than our own selves. And so uh, help us to respond to your leading tonight, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.